Welcome to ADHD Flourishing, about living awesomely with autism and ADHD. You deserve recognition for both the challenges and the superpowers of this unique neurotype. Let's celebrate wisdom and support from real-life stories, and talk strategies to manage the difficulties of day-to-day life so we can move beyond that to thriving and building a sustainable and awesome life. If you want to be here, you are accepted here, and you belong. I'm your ADHD host, Mattia Murray. Let's do this. Welcome. Today's topic and title is when to stop the self-help. I've been actively involved with traditional self-help materials for almost 20 years and longer if you count the religious attempts at changing myself growing up really religious. And today I want to talk about when it's time to take a break from that focus on fixing or changing yourself. Spoiler alert, I'm going to argue that the whole concept of fixing yourself isn't very helpful for a lot of people. And at the same time, I recognize that people often want to make changes and it's totally legit to want to change your life or to want to change something about yourself if it's truly coming from you. But my experience growing up neurodivergent is that I was constantly being told to modulate my behavior my speech, my mannerisms, my way of processing. In short, I was frequently told that who I am as a person was not working and needed to change. And conveniently, there are a whole bunch of books and materials out there about how to create that change. So this segued really naturally into reading and listening to things from the self-help industry. And the whole idea behind the self-help industry is that we can and ought to change ourselves, which is, you know, side note, also a very individualistic approach to healing. It's very different than community-based healing, but it was really easy for me to assume that there's always something I should be fixing about myself because I have so often been told to change or at least pretend to change in order to make other people more comfortable. And side note on pretending to change as a form of masking, when we mask, we are dysregulating our own nervous system in order to protect the nervous systems of those around us. I saw that in a post the other day and oh, that really got me because that's definitely a lot of my experience of masking or pretending basically to not be my natural self. It protects the nervous system of other people around us. So I've definitely noticed when I've wanted to change something about myself or fix something about myself, there's a lot of internalized ableism there for me, especially when it comes to my neurodivergence or physical disabilities. For example, I didn't know I had asthma until later in college. And when I was taking dance classes in college, I frequently had to sit out because my lungs were not working and I felt like it was a personal problem, like there was something wrong with me. It turns out I just needed an inhaler, but all the messages I'd received around laziness as a child made me think I just wasn't trying hard enough. And that's just one of many examples where there actually was help and support available, but I didn't know that because I was brought up in this very individualistic, there is something wrong with you. Again, that specific Christian lens that I grew up with, this idea of sin and that there's something wrong with me that permeated my thinking about myself and the world so thoroughly that I didn't even start to question that until adulthood, basically. Another example, I used to cry and cry and cry when I was about 11 years old because I thought one of my good friends was a much nicer person than me. And this is so funny looking back from an autistic lens, 
because I thought she was always sweet and kind because I was seeing her external behavior and I was very upset by my own thoughts and urges that were not sweet and kind. In retrospect, I was having some intrusive thoughts and several of my autistic traits were coming together to create this perfect storm of feeling inadequate compared to my friend. Specifically, those autistic traits were high empathy, high metacognition about my thoughts, so knowledge of my thoughts, black and white thinking, rigid thinking, strong ethics, and a tendency to say exactly what I was thinking and what I meant. So I was feeling and noticing all of my own internal experiences and comparing them to someone else's external experience and then judging myself as a bad person compared to her. And I actually mentioned this to her when we encountered each other on the internet years later and she thought it was hilarious because, you know, she did not think of herself as a particularly good person and she certainly did not think of me as a bad person relative to her. So, you know, as an adult, it's a lot easier to do that mental checking of what's actually happening, kind of that reality check a little bit. But as an 11 year old autistic kid, that was just my experience was I'm bad. She's good. And all of that came together in that particular example in me thinking that other people's external experience closely mirrored their internal experience. Because for me, that's true. I didn't know that some people were hiding how they felt or tempering their unkind thoughts. I just thought I was an unrepentant asshole making people feel bad and that everyone else was genuinely kind and nice. And I've noticed similar things coming up throughout my adult life, which is why I brought up this example when I basically assume that I'm the fucked up and broken one and other people are not struggling in the same way. And I think that this is a really common neurodivergent experience. I've heard it over and over again in a lot of settings. This idea that I, because I'm noticing so many more details about my own internal experience, I assume that it is unique and that no one could help me. And that's just a really common thread I've heard, especially in people who have approached me for coaching or worked with me. Something that often comes up early on is just this really common thread of, I'm the uniquely broken one that you won't be able to help. I now know from experience, from hearing all of that, that many people, if not most people are struggling, but they're hiding it in some form, even if it's not really intentional, right? We've been taught to hide our inner struggles. And when I find myself making assumptions like I did when I was a kid, those assumptions around, you know, I'm having this experience and everybody else is just a lovely, nice person who's not having this experience. I'm now able to kind of coach myself through it a little bit, either intellectually or somatically, like through the body. But that internalized ableism keeps coming up. It is so strong and it's really distressing because I'm able to, it's so much easier for me to be kind to other people in my brain than it is to myself. And it's really been such a long journey to get to the point where my first instinct is self-kindness. And that actually does happen a lot now, which is lovely that that instinct comes up and that I can actually be kind to myself right away. But man, when that internalized ableism comes up, it can be really intense. Changing gears a little bit, here is what happened recently that gave me the idea for this episode. I had this really funny moment. It's a habit of mine to massage my forearms because I used to practice violin for five hours a day, and then I was a massage therapist for a few years, so my forearms were just really messed up and lumpy and full of knots all the time. And these days, I usually don't have pain in my forearms unless I specifically worked out or 
if I've been practicing violin more for a gig or a recording or something. So in this moment, I'm hanging out with a friend and I just start idly massaging my forearm. Again, it's just this habitual thing. And at first I wasn't really paying attention. I didn't really notice that I had started doing that. And because of that massage therapy training, my fingers naturally start seeking out knots. So I find that classic lump in my forearm and I start massaging it. And then I look down and notice what I'm doing because massaging the lump hurts. So I started noticing pain. In a few seconds, I go from having zero pain, zero awareness of any sensation in my forearm, to now experiencing pain because I'm massaging this lump. The lump had not felt like a problem. It was not doing anything or causing me any problem. But because I started poking at it, now it's hurting. And in that moment, I immediately started thinking of the parallel with the sales side of the self-help industry. This idea that because something is changeable or is fixable, that it needs to be changed or fixed. Like there's a product to fix it, therefore we should fix it. Well, I for one have no interest in homogenizing everyone's experience or getting us all to some ideal. I'm actually sort of against this whole idea of optimizing and perfecting. And to continue the metaphor about my forearm, if I had taken a moment to check in with my body, I might have noticed that in that moment, actually my neck was kind of tense, and I might have focused my efforts on the thing that was actually bothering me. But because I was doing this habitual thing of just seeking and destroying lumps in my forearms, I created a sensation of discomfort and pain rather than relieving what was actually bothering me. I know it can be hard to even start to piece apart how many of our decisions are affected by advertising. And if you're on social media, particularly social media advertising, because some of it is subtle and really repetitive, they just keep showing you the same thing. And looking back at my own past, how many times have I decided to take a course or program or read a book or learn about a topic because I heard someone talk about it or saw an ad about it and was like, oh yeah, I guess that's a thing I could work on. Sure, I probably have that problem or label and sure, I could work on that. Again, not that there's anything wrong with seeking help when you really want or need it. And I have had that experience as well, where there was something I'd already been thinking about and then saw someone describe, oh, here's the term for what I'm experiencing. And look, there's this, you know, course about it made by a lovely neurodivergent person. Like, that's awesome. And at the same time, <laughs> I just recognize this in myself that sometimes there isn't really a problem. It's just because I've been presented with the solution, now I'm seeing the thing as a problem, even though it wasn't actually bothering me or doing anything to my life. So here's some questions I've been asking myself lately when I have the urge to change or fix something about myself. And I'll pop these questions in the show notes as well, so you can reflect on them if you want to. One, is this actually causing me any harm, this perceived problem? Two, is it harming anyone at all? And if yes, is that harm actually meaningful or am I mostly being harmed by the shame around it? Three, if I change this about myself, what might better look like? Is that definition or desire coming from me or suggestions outside of myself? Four, is paying attention to this particular quote problem, keeping my attention away from anything deeply important to me? If I did not put time, attention, or money into this problem, what might I want to do instead? And five, this is the big one. If I never changed again, would I still love and accept myself? 
I've been asking myself that last question for years. And sometimes I put the word still in there because I do generally love and accept myself. But when I started asking myself this question, it was just, if I never changed again, would I love and accept myself? And the answer was definitely no. The first time I asked myself that, I was like, no, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not lovable yet, but I am. And that's a lot of the journey toward feeling like we're enough is the answer to that question becoming yes. If I never changed again, would I love and accept myself? That's a yes for me at this point. Again, there are still things I would love to change or love to improve or, you know, I still have that fixing mindset some of the time. And at the same time, I do accept myself the way I am at some deep level. And that has lowered, I think, my internal stress levels enormously. Because now when I do something that I perceive as messing up, I have a very different natural response internally. And just as a meta point, if you are sitting there thinking that that's something you need to change about yourself, that you need to reach this point of love and acceptance, I like it. (laughs) It's been useful to me. But loving and accepting where you are right now without changing it is a really meaningful experience. Loving and accepting, again, on this kind of meta level, loving and accepting the fact that your natural instinct is not to love and accept yourself and that you have all of this internalized garbage from society, that's okay too. And just stepping away from the desire to fix and change, I think, has changed my relationship to myself and to the people around me as well. So if any of those questions maybe help you not purchase something and instead refocus attention on what really matters to you. That's cool. Or maybe you love your answers and you find something that you're like, you know, this actually is something I want to work on. And you go ahead with learning about it or changing something. That's great too. I think I'm a naturally growth oriented person. I'm very interested in growth and change. I like changing sometimes, and that's great if you really want it. And if you really want it, and it's really for you and for your own best good. Another metaphor I heard and loved is that growth is the natural state of plants if they're given adequate soil, sunlight, and water. If you're getting your basic needs met, you're going to naturally evolve and grow. That's just how living beings work. And it's okay to just let that happen naturally without always trying to strong arm the process. I hope this was helpful. It's definitely something I need to hear over and over. So I'm just going to reiterate to you some of the messages that I personally need to hear. It's okay to take breaks from personal growth. It's okay to give up on changing things about yourself just because they might make other people more comfortable. It's okay to focus on what your body and mind actually want and need whether or not those line up with messaging from people around you. I bet you're actually doing a great job with the circumstances you've been given. Even if you never change or fix another thing, I love and accept you. Do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) You're awesome. And just like Mr. Rogers, I truly do like you just the way you are because you're you. Have a great week. And I will plan to have another episode up next Friday. I am switching over to 
posting on ADHD Flourishing every week on Fridays. That is my intention. And I will be posting on the longer road as I can. Thanks so much. Thank you. I hope that sparked some ideas or possibilities for your own journey. If you'd like to go deeper, I invite you to click on the link in the show notes to join my newsletter, where I share more on these topics, point you to community resources, and share cute pictures of animals. I only send it when I have something meaningful to say. A friend put it well. With your newsletter, I feel like the predictability is in the quality, not the quantity, and it feels delightfully magical to have it pop up whenever it feels like it. Plus, you can respond directly to me, which I love. That link is in the show notes, or you can easily find it at my website, matiamarae.com, M-A-T-T-I-A-M-A-U-R-E-E.com. 